You are listening to the Koinonia Podcast. Today on episode two, Pastor Nathan and I discuss the role of the Holy Spirit throughout the story of Scripture. We get on a couple bunny trails. I've been reading the Chronicles of Narnia, so of course I had to try and find a way to fit that in. And we (laughs) have a great conversation, and really, I hope it helps paint kind of the bigger picture of the Holy Spirit's role in establishing God's kingdom. I also want to remind you, if you have any questions that you would like Nathan and I to dive into, you can email them for now to hello at thefam.ca. Pastor Nathan and I would love to respond to those questions on the podcast. All right, that's all I got for you. Let's get started with today's episode. All right, Nathan, we're uh, we're back again. Yes, we are. We're going to keep diving into scripture. And today we want to focus in a little bit more on the role of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, last time we talked, we were looking, we kind of, I guess, zoomed out and looked at the overarching story of God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, and we touched on the Holy Spirit in a couple of spots, but I think it would be cool to kind of follow that same pattern um, again today as we as we talk and as we dive in. Sounds good. Sounds good? Yes. Where should we start? <laughs> I mean, it makes sense to start at the beginning. It does. It does. <laughs> I think so, yeah. I've, I've, I kind of feel like in, in these conversations, it's impossible to not start, like, in Genesis. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely with, with this kind of subject anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you want to start there? Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, this, so Genesis 1 is where we first see the Holy Spirit at work. Yeah. And for some reason, I, I never thought about the fact that the Holy Spirit is mentioned in one of the first, is it verse one or two? Yeah, I, uh, think, it's, I think it's one. Okay. Yeah, could, yeah. It's one of the main characters, right? <laughs> yes. If we, if we think about it in the context of the story. Yeah. Um, and that was something that just hit me recently. Like in English class, if a character is introduced on the first page of the story. Yeah. It's likely that they're going to be important. All right. I can true. honestly say I've never thought about the Holy Spirit that way. Uh-huh. So anyways, um, yeah. Yeah, I think one of the important things to establish is the, who the Holy Spirit is. Right. So the Holy Spirit's God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Simple. The, the, Bi- the Bible's pretty clear about that. Yes. So you've got Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, three in one. We mm-hmm. won't attempt to explain the Trinity but right. yes, he is God, and so God is at work in the beginning. Yes, and um, one of the members of the Godhead, being the Holy Spirit, is as you were pointing out, yeah, a pivotal character in that whole process. Yeah, and we see in Genesis one, God at work is the Holy Spirit in action. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. In God speaking the world into existence through the power of his spirit. Yeah. So maybe as we kind of keep going forward with the Holy Spirit, um, how, because the Holy Spirit is present through the whole story. Mm -hmm. Um, What are maybe some of the key things at the beginning that we see about the Holy Spirit that help us help paint a picture of what we can look for Mm. as the story continues? Yeah. Well, he's accomplishing God's will. Right. Right. So God has a purpose in creation. Um, He's got a plan. And the Holy Spirit is 
effectively carrying that out mm -hmm. through his power. Right. Um, beginning with day one and all the way through to uh, Adam and Eve being created. So God is creating a place for his creation to live. Um, but more importantly, it's not it's not like this is just a you know God's project. He's he's not just like oh what what, what shall I do? I'm right. Uh, let's create the universe. You right. Know? When you make a little like shoebox yeah. um, ecosystem in grade three or four, uh, yeah, not the same thing. No, God <laughs> God has an eternal purpose. He's working out here, and one of the key things he wants to do is create um, this place where his image bearers can be Adam and Eve right uh, where they can represent him as the king of the universe we talked a little bit about this last time yeah um, and so they're they're his ambassadors they're his representatives um, he's the king but they're they're ruling on his behalf and so the Holy Spirit helps create that world helps create the uh, mankind. Mm -hmm. Um, God breathes the breath of life into them and they become living beings, right? Yeah. So then you you see that um, this, this space that God has created, this garden that he's created is like um, a temple where he lives, where he and um, his creation get to meet together on mm -hmm. earth. Right. right. And he reveals himself to them. And, and when you look at uh, Genesis 3 uh, with the temptation of Adam and Eve, um, it talks about how after Adam and Eve have chosen to rebel against God, they hear the sound of God walking in the garden. Right. Right. And it's, what, a, what an interesting picture. I know. And it's presented in such a way that you don't get the sense this is weird or unusual. It's like this is normal. Right. And this time around, they're scared. Yes. Right? They, instead of coming to God, which is undoubtedly what they would have done originally, right. this sin that they have committed causes shame, causes con a sense of condemnation, causes them to retreat from God, to be afraid mm -hmm. of God in a, in a way that they had never experienced before. Right. And so God calls out to, to Adam and he says, Adam, where are you? And God knows where they are. Right. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. Yeah, he's not looking for information, right? He's not like, oh, where did you go? Yeah. You know? um, he, he wants Adam and Eve to come towards him. Right, he's inviting them. He is, yeah. In fact, this is a great insight into what God is going to be up to in the rest of the story of the gospel of the kingdom of God. Well, because God easily could have just said, you know, Adam, wherever you are, you got to get out because you right. made this decision. But right. instead, he first gave them the opportunity to come close to him. Yeah. And have a conversation. Yeah. Own up to what they had done. Confess their sin to him. Right. Um, and to humble themselves. Mm -hmm. Right. Who knows what would have played out if they had done things differently. Right. We That's not for us to try and figure yeah. out. But... Um, yeah, so then who was walking in the garden? Were, mm. You know, was that the okay. Father? Was that the Son? Was that the Holy Spirit? Right. Well, Jesus wasn't in the form of a human yet. Right. You right. know, uh, 
Anyway, um, yeah, in, the answer is probably just yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so God, his his presence is in the garden, and when we think of the presence of God, typically it's the Holy Spirit. Yes, that we're talking about, right? And the Holy Spirit's a person. This yes. Is a, the, okay. So say more about this because this yeah. is something that I sometimes is a concept that's difficult for me to grasp. Right. Um, because. I mean, it, at, in Genesis 1, we see the Holy Spirit at work hovering over the water. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, later we see the Holy Spirit uh, coming on people to empower them to, you know, right. create stuff or with strength or whatever. Mm. Um, so I have a hard time connecting those two right. ideas. So like, yeah. h- help me bring those together. So um, we see... As the Bible reveals the Holy Spirit progressively through through the Old and New Testament, mm-hmm. we see that he has the characteristics of someone we would call a person. Right. Okay. Um, because he has a will. Yeah. He it, The Bible talks about the will of the Spirit. Yeah. The, you know, talks about the mind of the Spirit, talks mm-hmm. about um, emotions connected to the Spirit. Don't mm-hmm. grieve the Holy Spirit. Right. Um, it talks about the Holy Spirit teaching. Yes, you know Jesus in in John fourteen and sixteen. Yeah, he talks extensively about the the Holy Spirit helping, teaching, guiding. You know, these are all things that a person does. Right. And then uh, on top of all of that, the Holy Spirit is said to speak. Mm-hmm. So, like in the Book of Hebrews, for example, when it's quoting. Uh, when the writer is quoting um, in the wilderness, when the children of Israel resist God, mm, yeah, it says that the Holy Spirit said, huh. right? Yes. So, yeah, he's a person. Right. So he is not this force, you know, he, he isn't the force from Star Wars. Right. <laughs> he, he is... Um, he is a person. He's powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, he's omnipotent. He's yeah. omnipresent. So all powerful, yeah. ever present, like present yeah. everywhere, and omniscient. He's all knowing. You know, uh, in Psalm one thirty nine, David talks about that. Where shall I go from your spirit? Right. Right. Yeah. You know my thoughts before I think them. My words before I say them. Yeah. You know, I could go here. I could go there, and you would be there. Your yeah. spirit would be with me. Um, so. Yeah, so the revel- God's revelation of his spirit to us in Scripture is is that he is God. Mm-hmm. He is equal with the Father and the Son, mm-hmm. um, and he's a person. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. And I see, so, so what we see in Genesis is God's presence in the garden mm-hmm. uh, with no boundaries. Right. Which is pretty incredible. Um, God and his people can can be as together. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as soon as the uh, Adam and Eve make the choice mm-hmm. uh, and they choose for themselves, right. um, God removes them from his presence and there then needs to be a boundary. Right. And Genesis talks about the, you know, the cherubim and the, yes, the, the, sword. the sword that's waving yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, which is really interesting. Yes. Um, and it talks about the tree of life. Yes. Um, God says to himself, like among him, he, he, the, it's interesting in in uh, Genesis, it says, let us make man in our image. Yes. Right? right. So this is where we see the idea that God is not um, a single person, hmm. but he's there. There's a Godhead. Yeah. You know, as we say, 
And so, yeah, there's the tree of life, and it says, you know, they need to be removed from the garden lest they reach out their hand and take from the tree of life and live forever. Yeah. And the, the kind of the implication is, if that happens, whatever that means, um, mankind is going to be forever, eternally in this state. Right. And God doesn't want that. Right. And in this the state of... of sin of death yeah and separation right really is god god's heart um is revealed from the very beginning he is to to the very end of the new testament the idea is that god wants to make mankind in his image male and female in his image so that they can bear his image represent him but also so that he can have a relationship with them. right and god does this through the spirit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And so when it when there was no boundaries, it was easy for that to happen. Mm-hmm. Then as we read on in the story, we find that um, God doesn't walk with humans the same way that he once did. Right. Um, but the spirit is often present in different mm-hmm. forms and in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm thinking of the, the tabernacle. Right. L- further in the story. Yeah. Um, when, when, God instructs Moses to build this um, right. place where the spirit can be so that God can be close to his people. Right. But there's still boundaries there. Uh, absolutely. Um, Very firm boundaries. <laughs> so maybe maybe give, give can you help me sp- to paint a quick picture of why those boundaries were necessary? Yeah, well, God is holy. Uh, in other words, he is without sin. Mm-hmm. And so the even the tabernacle, well... Starting with, we kind of first see this very clearly um, when the children of Israel leave uh, Egypt and they go to the mountain. And it's interesting, the language that gets used um, in in the Exodus, the idea again is that God brought them out to bring them to himself. Yes, because it uses specific like salvation language, does it not in Exodus? Yeah, the, I mean, there's definitely parallels. Okay, yeah, but but the language itself is he he he's not just delivering them and setting them free and saying have a nice life, right? Right. He's delivering them, setting them free to bring them to himself, hmm. and so Moses takes them to Mount Sinai, right, where God is, where he met with God himself. Yeah. And God descends on the mountain, n- not to show he's boss, but because he wants a relationship with these people. Right. He wants to reveal himself. So, so yeah, God has chosen out of this um, sin situation. Yeah. God has prophetically said, I'm going to raise up a seed who's going to defeat the serpent. And so then what he does is in that process, he selects a man called Abraham mm-hmm. who um, he makes a promise to yeah. that through him all the nations of the earth will be blessed, right? Yeah. Again, I would suggest that the Holy Spirit is the one who is involved in that encounter, encounter with Abraham. Right. You know, it talks about when God cuts a covenant with him, there's this flaming, burning... <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I don't know what it's a pillar or something. I think somewhat like that. Yeah, but it was like a burning oven or something. It passes through the middle of these animals, right? 
um, and God makes a covenant with Abraham. Right. So you've got this man, and then he says, from your descendants, I'm going to raise up a people. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what he does. We have Israel, and then the children of Israel, they end up in Egypt they are oppressed. Mm-hmm. And then God also promised to Abraham that he was going to, that he told him that his descendants would be slaves yep. in a foreign land for about 400 years, which is exactly what happens. Right. And then God says, I will deliver them. So this is where Moses comes into the yes. picture. God sends Moses. I got ambitious with the story. (laughs) Thanks for filling those spots in. (laughs) Yeah. Just want to make sure everybody's tracking. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So God sends Moses. Um, Moses has had an encounter with God at the burning bush. Yes. Again, God's presence. Yeah. Um, Again, fire. Yes. Fire is a common theme here. Yeah. Um, And it's not, fire speaks of purity, Hmm. holiness. Right. Everything that isn't pure gets burned up and consumed in fire. Yeah. Um, God is called a consuming fire in Hebrews 13. So, yeah, God reveals himself in that way. Um, Through the power of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, Moses is enabled to do these signs and wonders Mm -hmm. for Pharaoh. You know, you get these signs on all of Egypt with the different plagues and all that stuff. Yeah. And then at the end of it all, God brings the people out. But coming back to our point, he Mm -hmm. brings them to himself. Yes. Because that is what God has always wanted. Right. Is a a people for himself. Not in some kind of weird authoritarian kind of controlling way. Right. But in a relational way. Right. Because that's what Eden was. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it was... Uh, Eden was a place where God and people, his creation, um, could be together in fellowship, experience close and intimate relationship. Right. uh, Where they could know one another, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so I'm just thinking about this idea of fire because Mm. it's helpful to think think it through a little bit when we're talking about God's holiness because that was the, the... like you mentioned, the point of the boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, it was how, it was protection. Yes. Right. So it, because we weren't re- yet ready, right, in our sin to be exposed to that fire, right. we would be consumed, right. and then there would there'd be no opportunity for relationship. Right. Yeah. So, so then that's why we find, or maybe is that is that why we find the Holy Spirit kind of. I don't know if contained is the right word, but inhabiting something like the tabernacle. Yeah. So, so God, um, first of all, says to uh, Moses, don't let the people come up the mountain. Right. Right. And, and he, he goes up the mountain and then God says to Moses again, Moses, go back down and tell them again, they can't come near the base of the mountain huh. because if they do, you know, they're, they're going to die because of God's holiness, his power, and so on. Right. In other so, words, the fire is too hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he is he is protecting them, but at the same time, he wants relationship with them. Right. So it's it's not like a threat. Yes. It's, yeah. it's God's heart for his people yeah. to protect them so that they can have a relationship with him, but it has to be under the right terms, mm. the right conditions. Yeah. So this is where... Um, 
God speaks to Moses and then sets up the tabernacle, mm-hmm. um, the tent, because God, again, wants to be with his people right. as they go through the wilderness. So then you've got this really interesting uh, building, which is packed full of prophetic pictures of what's coming. Jesus Christ is in the tabernacle, like pictured in the tabernacle in various ways, hmm. which we don't have time to unpack completely. Yeah. Um, but Another day. Yeah, another day maybe. Um, so, so God wants to be with his people so much that he gives Moses directions on how to build a tabernacle. But one of the interesting things is that Hebrews makes it clear that what Moses is being directed to do and to build is actually a replica of a tabernacle in heaven. Huh. So this is this is really interesting. Yeah. But the way that it's structured is again we're in keeping with this concept of God wanting relationship mm-hmm. while at the same time dealing with the limitations that we have as sinful humans. Okay. So that we are protected. Right. But the relationship can still happen. Right. So that we are protected, but God can still reveal himself. Hmm. And so you have uh, the priests who have been set apart specially yeah. for the purpose of mediating between God and, and sinful human beings. You've got the sacrificial system, which again is a picture of Jesus and the blood he will shed. Right. Because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. There's yes. no forgiveness of sins. And you got the altars and you've got the menorah with, you know, that I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. It's right. all in the and tabernacle. Those things are all in the tabernacle. Yeah. And then you have this veil separating the holy place. So you've got the outer courts, mm-hmm. you've got the holy place, and then you've got the most holy place. Yeah. And the most holy place is the inner part of the tabernacle where God's presence is. Right. So that's where the um, the Ark of the Covenant is. That's where, uh, which has the uh, tablets of the Ten Commandments in it. It's got the staff of Aaron, the budded, which mm-hmm. is incredible. Yeah. Got some manna in there. <laughs> sure. But, but overall, the presence of God is in that place. Right. It's, it's living there. Yeah. And so God is very clear about um, how the priests are to approach that place, only one priest can go into the most holy place only once a year, the high priest, and he's got to do certain things. He's, you know, these sacrifices have mm-hmm. to happen because through all of that, God is again making a way for his people to be in his presence, right? to reveal himself because that's what God's been about from the very beginning. Right, right. And that is always, the Holy Spirit always has a role mm-hmm. in in that work, in God wanting to be connected to his people. That's right. Even in the uh, the anointing oil that gets used for the priests. Right. It's a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Right. Because yeah. we use the term often, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's where that is connected to. Yeah. And, yeah. and then you have um, the pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night designed to protect and to lead, to mm. shepherd God's people, right. who he talks about like a flock of sheep. Yeah. 
Um, Jesus talks about being the good shepherd. Yeah. So even in the wilderness, you see God shepherding his people, hmm. providing and protecting yeah. um, for his people as they go through the wilderness. And um, yeah, you see these different ways in which the Holy Spirit is pictured, um, but he's present in the ta- tabernacle. Right. He's present with them in the wilderness. And so something that is interesting that I haven't, that I've just been learning is the the similarities between the Garden of Eden and the tabernacle or mm-hmm. the, the temple, which is kind of a right. Uh, is it is it is it safe to say the temple is like a more permanent version of the tabernacle? Yeah. So Solomon built the temple. Yeah. Um, but it was based on kind of the general plan of the tabernacle. Right. And so yeah, it was it was a place made of stone instead of you know, just sure. leather, Sheepskin. yeah, leather and pegs and, you Pomegranate know. Pomegranate juice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All of that stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's that's what that was about. Right. And so then so it's been helpful for me to kind of see the progression of God in Eden. And then ultimately he's trying to re- recreate or bring us back to that mm. scenario. Yeah. And the tabernacle and then the temple are both um ways on which god wants to bring us his people close to him Mm -hmm. but still within the framework of loving us and also protecting us yeah um and we see the holy spirit i mean when when solomon is done dedicating the temple Mm -hmm. again we see fire coming down and consuming the sacrifice and and uh the priest can't stand yeah because the, the place is filled with the glory of God. But the craziest part about that story, that would freak me out. <laughs> Fire from heaven. But the response of the people is to worship. Right. They don't run away. Right. Um, and that's something interesting about the Holy Spirit, I think, is the power that's carried, but it doesn't communicate fear. It communicates mm. love. Yeah. It's I mean, there are definitely references throughout the Old and New Testament to the idea of fearing God. Right. But it's it's not fear as in run in terror from God. It, this kind of fear is an awe. Right, like a reverence. It's a reverence. It's, it's a fear that draws you towards God. Huh. I've never thought about it that way before. Yeah. It's like, I mean, when you, there are, there's nothing we can compare to God. Like right. God is in his own category. Yes. Right. But when, when, let's say you go to the Rocky Mountains mm-hmm. and you see the Rocky Mountains for the first time, you, you're not like, oh, that was nice. Let's go get lunch. Right. You know, like as soon as you've seen them, you, you want to stand there and just stare at them. Yeah. Or, like, even the, or even I think of the Grand Canyon. Yeah, because, the Grand Canyon, yeah. Because that, it's a fear that draws you close. Yes. Because you want to get closer to the edge to see what's going on. Yeah. But also... There's some some legitimate yeah. fear. <laughs> yeah, and there's wonder, there's awe. Mm-hmm. There may be trembling too. And, right. and in, in connection with the fear of God, we see trembling connected with that. But it's it's never um, about people running away from God. Right. Um, I mean, there are times when people try to get away from God. Yes, um, it but, doesn't seem to work. Yeah, but it, but if you've got a heart to know God, the fear of God is always a positive thing. Mm. It draws you towards him. It makes you want to take off your sandals mm. like Moses did. Yeah. 
you know, it makes you want to want to say, woe is me. I'm undone. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Okay. So this is actually, we can, we can cut this part out if we want, but <laughs> I just finished reading the magician's nephew from mm. Chronicles of Narnia. Have you read that? that book? I have not read the books. No. You haven't? I have not. Oh, okay. Anyways, doesn't matter. At the beginning of the book, um, there's so many parallels between mm. God um, creating the world. That's kind of the story of the magi- magician's nephew. Yeah. Aslan is creating Narnia. Mm-hmm. And so the scene is this a, a dark, like just darkness in, in the place. And then the lion begins to sing. And as he sings, mm. things begin to grow and right. trees pop up and um, animals pop out of the ground. Mm. But there's a character named Uncle Andrew who is... Um, terrified of the lion Mm. and all the other characters seem to have this sense that the lion is good that his song is bringing life Mm. um and that there's something deeper about who the lion is but this other character andrew um hates the lion from Mm. first sight Mm. he instead of being in awe and wanting to go close Mm. um he he like he runs like he runs away he he always backs up when Aslan gets closer. And we know from the story of Narnia that animals talk. Mm-hmm. And so Aslan begins to speak. Um, and eventually, you know, he he breathes on the animals and mm-hmm. they begin to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but this guy, Andrew, has created a world or has created this moment for himself where he actually can't hear Aslan's voice. Mm-hmm. He only hears snarling and roaring. Right. Um yeah. And he can't hear the voices of any of the other animals. He yes. only hears, you know, animal noises. But right. all the other characters who perceive the lion to be good mm. and to be um, not safe but loving yeah. um, hear his voice and then experience the mm. – it's that – that's what made me think of when you said the fear that draws close. Right. And so it causes those characters who trust what the lion is doing to move towards. Mm -hmm. And this guy, Uncle Andrew, who doesn't trust, um, he runs away and he actually for himself makes a world where he can't experience that love and that Hmm. closeness. And so that's kind of, I don't know if that's a helpful picture, but it just, I just couldn't help but think of the parallel between the way that we can be afraid of God or Mm. we can fear God. Yeah, so I, I think it it comes down to a wrong perception, right? Right, and this is something that the serpent in the garden was busy accomplishing. Yeah, he distorted the image of God in the eyes of his image bearers, mm-hmm. and so Adam and Eve developed quickly, it would seem, a distorted view of who God is from a God of love and who's kind and wants the, what's best for them, to a God who's withholding and keeping things from them. And so rather than being um, submitting to him as their king and being uh, his ambassadors ruling on his behalf, they decide they want to rule themselves right? Um, apart from God. Mm-hmm. They want independence from God. And so that's where the rebellion is born. And so... Yeah, I mean, it's it's not an uncommon thing for people who don't yet know God to have a view of him like what you're describing hmm. with Andrew. Sure. Where everything, when they have an experience or think about who God is, 
they see him in, in a distorted way. Hmm. And so this is one of the reasons why Jesus shows up. Right. Yes, he comes to save us. Yeah. But one of the things Jesus specifically says is, if you've seen me, you've mm. seen the Father. Right. 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 He was God in the flesh. And um, I don't know if we're skipping ahead here too quickly, but w- the word that's used in John when it talks about Jesus dwelling among us mm. is that he tabernacles among us. Uh, and in the wilderness, what was created was a tabernacle. Right. And so it's the, it's the same word? It's the same same concept, yes, huh. that God himself yeah. has come to his creation, yeah. this time not, you know, as a pillar of fire or a pillar of cloud. Right, or a burning know, bush. Or, or a burning yeah. bush, but in the form of a human being. Hmm. And the word that is used is that he, is, he tabernacles among us. Wow. So Jesus is the temple right. this time around. Yeah. And he goes to... Um, he goes to John the Baptist, gets baptized, and the, the Spirit descends right. on him like a dove. Yeah. And he comes out of the water, gets led by the Spirit into the wilderness, which is an interesting thing because that's where the children of Israel were. Right. Well, and they also came through the water, right, into yes. the wilderness. Yeah, they came through the waters of the Red the Sea, Red sea. which, which um, I think it's Peter compares to baptism. Yes. Um, and then, yeah, he they go into the wilderness where God reveals himself to them. Jesus. Wow, in the same, so the same way that God, th- that the Holy Spirit led Israel through the Red Sea mm-hmm. into the wilderness, it says those words, the Spirit led Jesus into mm-hmm. the wilderness. That's right. Right after he was baptized. Right, wow. and there's a reason for it. Um, in the wilderness, the children of Israel were tested, hmm. right? Yes. And they were taught that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's what, what God says right? Um, in, uh, I think it's Deuteronomy, when he's recapping things. Yeah. Um, Jesus gets led by the Spirit out of the waters of baptism into the wilderness. He's pictured like the new Moses. That, right. That's what's happening. Right. Um, but he's also the true Israelite. Mm-hmm. He's the true Israel because he not only is is he the deliverer being prepared to deliver right. um, all of humanity, but he is true Israel. He is the obedient son. He's the one that he's the last Adam. He's he's the the Adam that God always intended. Right. So in saying Jesus is the true Israel, you're saying he is the Israelite that could actually do what God outline for Israel to do. That, and he also is demonstrating what God intended Uh, Israel to be. Right. So if Israel was able to do all of the things that God said, here's what I want you to do, Jesus is what they would look like. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Jesus is in the wilderness. He's being tested. Um, He's being prepared. He quotes, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Um, So there's this really interesting parallel, but you've got the presence of God in in Jesus Christ. He comes out of the wilderness filled with the Holy Spirit. Right. Because he is the temple. Yes. He's the true temple. Yes. 
And then he goes around proclaiming the kingdom of God, which is what we were talking about last time. Right. The gospel of the kingdom, the good news that the king has arrived and that he is prepared for all those who will receive him as their king mm-hmm. to rescue them out of this kingdom of darkness that they have placed themselves in as right. a result of their sin and rebellion. Right. He is prepared to extend mercy, to extend grace, to receive them back mm-hmm. into his kingdom right. as the king of kings and lord of lords. And so he goes around proclaiming that message. He goes around demonstrating the heart of God. He teaches about the kingdom. He teaches what it looks like for people to walk in the ways of the kingdom. Um, he heals. He feeds. He's the good shepherd. Yeah. He does what he he reveals the heart of God to these people. Mm-hmm. The, the same heart God had in the Old Testament. Right. Um, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. There, me and my Father, we're one. Mm. I've come to do the will of the Father to finish His work. Right. That's what He said. He was determined, as the last Adam and the true Israel, God's unique Son. Yeah. To demonstrate the heart of God, but also to do the will of God. Right. And the Spirit of God was the one who was enabling him. So from the very beginning, we see that the Holy Spirit comes upon Mary. Yes, right. And that's how she conceives. Right. And gives birth to Jesus. Yeah. Right. So from the very moment Jesus is conceived, it's the work of the Spirit. Right. So throughout the Old Testament, you've got the Spirit of God enabling the the creation. Mm-hmm. You've got the the Spirit of God um, enabling Moses. Yeah. You've got the Spirit of God coming on the priests. Yeah. On the prophets who yep. begin to prophesy about this coming Messiah. Right. You've got the Spirit of God coming on the kings that get raised up to yep. lead the people, but they're always flawed kings. They're flawed leaders. Right. Um, they, you know, the children of Israel get excited about these different individuals because they're powerful and, you know, they want a leader and all of that. But at the end of the day, each one of them turns out to be an insufficient deliverer. Right. Just like Adam. Just like Adam, because the flaw is within humans. It's right. within our hearts. Yeah. It, we are corrupted by our nature. Mm-hmm. And Therefore, we are separated from God because of that. And so God is not able to flow through us as his ambassadors, as his um, kings and priests right. the way he wants to. Um, so Jesus shows up as the perfect king, right? the perfect priest who mediates between God and people, and as the perfect prophet who declares the word of the Lord, not only accurately declares the the words of the Lord, but he declares yeah. it with the heart of God as well. Right. And it's only through the Holy Spirit that Jesus is is able to bring this forward. Yeah. In fact, it, it's fascinating. Um, the Bible actually says in Hebrews 9 that it was through the eternal spirit that Jesus offered himself unblemished to God. Hmm to cleanse us from dead works so that we could serve the living God. So even his death on the cross was accomplished through the eternal spirit. 
See, the, the Holy Spirit and Jesus were working together to fulfill the will of the Father. Right. And Jesus didn't attempt to begin his ministry until, until. the Holy Spirit came upon him, led him, filled him. Right. Right. Wow. And then he, he does his ministry through the power of the Spirit, and then he goes to the cross by the power of the Spirit. Right. And then he is raised from the dead by the power of the Spirit. Right. It's incredible. Yeah. How, man, it, uh, I have so many things that I want to say about that. <laughs> but I think, I think where, where that leads me to, because we could, we could go in so many directions, but um, now... I think it's Peter. Is it Peter who, who says that? No, Paul says that we are now the temples of the Holy Spirit. And Peter uses the language of living stones. Yep. Um, yep. So what, what does that mean? Obviously, I am far from Jesus. Mm-hmm. But the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is alive in me right. as a follower of him. Mm. So what does that even mean? <laughs> like <laughs> like when I, think about, when I think about this whole story mm-hmm. and how... Jesus and the Spirit are, are working together even through his ministry. Now, I, like now we carry that same spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, ha, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I feel like the fact that, that we as followers are now the home or the, or the temple of the Spirit takes on a bigger mm-hmm. meaning. I mean, it, yeah. for me it does after right. highlighting it through the whole story. Yeah, um, Jesus, before he... Uh, ascends to his father, breathes on his disciples and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So this same spirit that's been working through him um, in all of these ways is they he breathes on his disciples and then he says, wait until you receive the promise mm-hmm. of the father. Um, and, and that's like um, at the day of Pentecost. Yes. The spirit comes and... Um, you know, the, the disciples in the upper room, all of them are filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, you see fire again. Yes. Right. This time it doesn't burn up anybody. Yeah. They're, they're consumed in, a, in tongues of fire, right? Yeah. They, and uh, so then they are transformed through the Spirit. You have Peter who's gone from being this um, guy who denied Jesus. Um, you know, yeah. a servant girl uh, says, aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? And he's like, nope. Three times he denies Jesus. Um, after Jesus has died, he goes back to the lake to fish. Mm-hmm. And then you see this guy transformed through the power of the Spirit, standing up in front of thousands of people yeah. on the day of Pentecost, proclaiming the truth of the gospel yeah. of the kingdom of God, right? proclaiming Jesus as the true king. And we see 3,000 people getting responding to that message and receiving Christ as their king. Right. Being baptized, right? Wow. Um, but it's all through the power of the Holy Spirit. But you, you talked about us being the temple. One of the important things to re- recognize is that we are individually filled with the Spirit as believers. Like, we become the dwelling place of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like to say it this way, that Jesus became God with us so that the Holy Spirit could become God in us. Hmm. Because when we receive Christ, we are made new, and God begins this new creation project. So you've got the original creation where God comes into the garden, meets with his people, Adam yes. and Eve, his representatives, his image bearers, who have been tasked with caring for the garden. Right. 
and being fruitful and multiplying and so on. And then you've got this period of death and sin and darkness. And then you've got Jesus, the light of the world, showing up, filled with the Spirit, lays down his life, raised from the dead, Mm -hmm. gives the gift of the Spirit, and um, we become the dwelling place of God. Right. So we don't have to go to this place or that place. We, the Garden of Eden, in a certain sense, is within us. Wow. Right? The place where God is giving life yeah. is within us. He's making all things new. He's making all things new within us. We become new creations in Christ. But here's what I wanted to mention, mm-hmm. that the language when Paul talks about us being the temples of the Holy Spirit, or the temple, I should say, of the Holy Spirit, Yes. the, the word you in the original language, is plural. Right. The guy from the Bible Project always says y'all. Yes. Instead of you. Yeah, so there's implications to this. Huh. Um, if, if I singularly am the temple of the Holy Spirit, right, then it, it changes the dynamic of the relationship with mm. fellow believers. But when, as, as uh, Paul says, y'all are the temple <laughs> of the Holy Spirit, right, um, and Peter says we are being fit together as living stones into a spiritual house for God to dwell in. Yeah. This changes things. It should change things. It's not singular. It's not singular. It's it's about a people. Hmm. And so that should change how I look at you, huh. how I relate to you, how I love you, yeah. how I get along with you, yeah. how I love my neighbor as myself. That should make a difference hmm. because – you are just as much the dwelling place of God as I am. Right. Yeah. Wow. And that was always God's intention, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. For for all of us to be, to have that kind of closeness. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We we have become the home of God. Right. And and in in a sense, it's better than what Adam and Eve experienced. Hmm. One day, for sure, it will be. Right. <laughs> but. Jesus said, it's better if I go away, because if I do, the Spirit will come. And and he understood this, right? That Mm -hmm. each one of us, you know, when I leave this room with you, I carry the Spirit of God with me. Right. And so do you. Yes. And I can talk to him at the same time you're talking to him, whereas Jesus was in one place at one time, because he chose to take on humanity, right? He limited himself because of his love for us. Yeah. Yeah, so then so then now we are equipped through this same spirit to be God's image bearers and representatives to proclaim the kingdom of God to this world, to continue the work of Jesus yes. in the world um, as his temple together collectively. Right. And God equips us by his spirit to do that. Yeah, that's so good. I love it. I think that helps... That helps me anyways feel, I feel like the reminder that, the the reminder of y'all, like singularly I'm not on my own, the house of God, but together, Mm -hmm. it kind of takes off some of the pressure. Mm. (laughs) Like, because if, because it, I I don't know, it feels, it feels like, okay, together God is empowering us. Like Mm. God's, God's, God's work in the world, um, when I make a mistake, it doesn't mm. stop. Mm. Like his grace is still there right. and his spirit doesn't leave. Mm. Um, like maybe we would have seen 
in an encounter in the Old Testament. Right. Um, and the Holy Spirit's called the Spirit of Grace, too, hmm. which is a great thing to keep in mind, that he's the source of God's grace. Right. He is the expression of God's grace um, in our lives right now. He equips us, enables us, empowers us, reveals Christ to us, teaches us, leads us, all of those things. He's the Spirit of Grace. Right. Yeah. I, th- I think it would be good to wrap up with the role of the Spirit in Revelation. Mm. Yes. We've talked a little bit about that. Yes. Is that good? Yeah, yeah let's do it. Okay. So one day... Jesus will return. Mm-hmm. In the book of Revelation, in chapter 22, it gives some language to what's happening when that occurs. And it talks, it, it uses the phrase that the spirit and the bride say come. Right. And I, I just think that's an amazing picture. It talks about how in heaven there is no a temple anymore, that God is its temple. Hmm. There's, there's no sun, there's no moon, because God is its light. Right. And that one day we will be with God face to face, which is his plan, remember, from the very beginning, yep. in a new heavens and in a new earth that God has created for his new creation to dwell in, and that's us. Mm-hmm. But before Jesus returns, right at the end of Revelation, you see this cry going up. from the spirit and the bride. Hmm. And the bride is this new people God has created. It's the church. Right. It's y'all. Yes. All of us together are the bride of Christ. Right. And there's coming a day, Revelation shows us, that the spirit of God will be working in the church where we will be passionately in love with our Savior, Mm -hmm. equipped and doing his work. And there's this cry from the Spirit and the Bride to the Son, to the Bridegroom, that says, come. There's this cry coming up from us, from our Spirit, God's Spirit, within our Spirit, because our Spirit and God's Spirit are one. That's what Paul tells us as well. And so you, you see this incredible desire of the Spirit of God to reunite the bride with the bridegroom. Right. And um, he causes this cry in the book of Revelation to come out of the bride. Right. Come, Lord Jesus. And um, it's just, just a powerful picture of from the very beginning, the Holy Spirit is hovering over the face of the water to do the will of the Father, to create the first creation carries the plan all the way through the Old Testament into the New Testament, bringing the Savior into the world, equipping the Savior to accomplish the plan to deliver God's people, filling God's people with the, with his Spirit to proclaim the message of the gospel of the kingdom until one day the Spirit and the Bride cry out, Lord Jesus, come. Mm-hmm. And then the Father will present the glorious bride to his glorious son. And it's all because of the Spirit of God has been at work accomplishing the purposes of the Father and the Son and making it all possible.
This is probably like the third or fourth time you and I have had a significant conversation about this, specifically the Spirit's role mm. um, in calling the Father to return. Mm. And like, like we're both always like holding back tears, uh, yeah. trying to talk about it. Like it's it, last time, yes. it, previous times when we've talked about it. Yeah. Why is that? Like, I mean, if people who are listening, yes. um, I don't know, maybe you can hear it in our voices, maybe not. But yeah. I think it's important to acknowledge the significance of that because mm-hmm. every time we talk about it, yeah. it's always a similar it's, feeling. It's because the Spirit of God is in us and with us here. Hmm. That same Spirit that causes the bride to say, come, is here, right. present with us. Right. And we, you and I sense the Spirit of God here right now. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about Jesus, you know, one of, one of the things the Holy Spirit loves to do is glorify Jesus. That's what Jesus said he would do. He would, he would speak about Jesus. He would reveal Jesus. He would remind us of what Jesus said. And so um, I believe that when we sincerely and authentically do that, lift up Jesus as the King of kings and Lord of lords, and talk about who he is and what, what God wants to do, um, the Spirit is there, revealing Christ, right. making him known to us. And people that have the Spirit of God inside of them, present with them, sense that, right? Because, right. yeah, I, I agree. He's, he's molding and shaping us. That's one of the roles of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Molding and shaping us, the Bible calls it sanctifying. Right. Making us holy, preparing us to be with the king. Mm-hmm. We have been made holy, but we are also being made holy. Yes. And the Holy Spirit loves to do that. He's yeah. preparing a church without spot or wrinkle, Ephesians 5 says. And how is God doing that? Through his spirit. Hmm. Reproducing the nature and character of Christ within us. Right. Which is what the fruit of the spirit's all about. So good. So if you're listening right now, um, before you continue, take a moment to al- acknowledge the fact that that spirit is is with you. The same spirit that's present with us as we're talking um, is present and is at work um, in you. And so whether you're out for a run or making dinner or just listening to this by yourself, um, Take a moment to just acknowledge that that Holy Spirit that is present, the Spirit of Christ mm. that is working in you, that's bringing that new creation, um, that is uh, drawing you close to the Father, um, and let Him do that. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Koinonia Podcast. We would love for you to rate and review the podcast. Do that on Apple, do that on Spotify, wherever you're listening. It helps get the podcast in front of more people and helps us share this incredible message of the truth of Scripture. Also, another way to share it is just with somebody who you think would benefit from hearing about the Holy Spirit's work in our world through Scripture and in our own hearts today, making us more like Christ. Thanks so much for joining us for Season 2, Scripture on the Koinonia podcast, and we will see you next time.